Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Aaron, and I'm here with Brian. Hello, everybody. And welcome to episode 13 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Today, we're fortunate enough to get an audience with the Paz Master, Isaac Roth from Red Hat, to, to discuss the newly announced OpenShift Paz service. Isaac, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. for coming on. So the first question I have to ask is, how do you get to be the Paz Master? <laughs> well, there's this long boot camp training process, and then you have to slay some dragons. Uh, <laughs> and then you have to scale. You've got to scale an app all the way up to hundreds of thousands of servers. See that, that, so, Aaron, that title probably works really well when he's doing his day job, but like he'll get home and like you know his his uh, his family or his wife or kids or something will be like, oh yeah, you, you can scale uh, infinitely. Let's see. Uh, I want you to mow the grass. I want you to help uh, go shopping. I want you to do all sorts. You got to be careful with those kind of titles. That's right. That's right. I think we've all discovered that elastic scalability doesn't really work in our personal lives. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So we should uh, so we should give everybody a little bit of background of of how we uh, we we got Isaac. So uh, for folks that were listening a couple of weeks ago, um, we started getting in the deep end of platform as a service, and Aaron and I quickly realized that uh, we had no floaties and we had no point uh, no no business being in the deep end of the of the past platform. And kind of threw that out on Twitter, and the the good folks from Red Hat were like, "Well, we've got some folks who do know about this stuff. Let's uh, let's get you guys connected." So. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, hopefully you don't yeah. mind us asking a bunch of newbie questions just to, to figure out what's going on in this space because it's very hot. It's probably, it, it's a good thing. And, and I think a lot of people are getting familiar with platform as a service. They don't necessarily, maybe they've heard of it, but they don't understand the details or what it can do for them. So it's, I think it's apropos. Um, the way I got here was uh, Red Hat themselves didn't have too much knowledge. They had some platform-as-a-service projects going on. Some people may be familiar with a thing called Steam Cannon. And then they had some projects in the, in the open-source Delta Cloud project. Um, but they didn't really have much going. And so they bought a startup that I had founded called Makara. And um, so, so we, we sort of came in uh, to Red Hat and uh, also combined forces with bunch of Red Hat people that are working on platform as a service stuff. So that's how the expertise ended up over here. Okay. And and it announced uh, at Red Hat Summit in May, correct? Yeah. So the, the, the new, the platform as a service for Red Hat is called OpenShift. And it announced at Red Hat Summit and JBoss World at the beginning of May. Um, and that that's a it's an offering that's on openshift.redhat.com or, or openshift.com. And it's uh, it's a bundling up and reworking of the former Makara technology as well as uh, some PaaS technology that Red Hat had already been working on as well as a bunch of underlying cloud stuff that makes it all work but nobody really has to care about if you're using the PaaS that, that Red Hat had been working in open source before that. And, and with, with that many... Moving parts. How, how long did it take, development-wise, to to bring this to market? Well, yeah, that's that's one of the interesting things. You can look up the history. So, Makara was acquired in November, and then we we launched in May. So, 
it took six months to kind of knit all the pieces together. Before that, though, we'd been working at Makara for about two years, actually close to three years, to, to get the basic service going. There's, there's a bunch of different approaches to platforms as a service, and we took one of the more, probably the most challenging route. And we're not the only ones, but uh, the folks that have taken this more challenging route it, it takes a little longer. Um, we hope that the benefits to the developers are, are worth it, but it's interesting because there are some really simple platforms as a service that can get going a little faster. Uh, they just don't have breadth. So what? So if you were to sort of give us the Cliff Notes version, what's the what are the hard things that you guys solve versus what are some of the the basic things that say you know other platforms as a service give developers today? What are the what what are the trade offs or what what makes uh, OpenShift you know really attractive um, or or simpler uh, for developers today? Well, the, let me start with just a an overview of platform as a service. There's this, the most simple idea. Uh, which is what many of them are, is that there's a service somewhere and you can write code and you can deploy that code and you don't have to worry about running it, it just gets run for you. And that's not that much different than hosting. So if you, if you go to a LAMP hoster, it's kind of an idea. You can deploy code and you can let the hoster run it for you. And the hoster has to worry about things like network connectivity and uh, whether you get a DOS attack. Some do better than others. You know, Some really won't protect you from any of that. Um, they won't really do a firewall for you. They won't protect you. They weren't not going to do load balancing for you. Um, some will. Then the only difference between that and a platform as a service in general is that most of the platform as a service offerings have some degree of scaling in them. Um, so a good example of this is a company called uh, Media Temple has a you know their hosting company, but they have this thing which is a little like a PaaS, which scales a little for you. Um, but otherwise, it's it's a lot like hosting. Um, that's really the simplest idea of platform as a service. Um, then you go up from there, and I guess it's although there's some debate about this in the industry. I think a core tenant of platform as a service is that it's supposed to scale. So on top of whatever you got for hosting. It's, it scales for you, and that's really important because when you're developing an app now, it might be a mobile app or it might be a website that goes viral or has a social aspect to it that suddenly gets a lot of demand, or maybe an application that everybody uses on Fridays at noon, and so you have this abnormal usage pattern. It needs to scale up and scale down, and people don't want to pay for these huge usage plans when... They're maybe getting all their activity on one day a month or on one day a week or abnormally depending on whether a news story that's hosted on their site gets hot or not. And so that cool. idea of elasticity, I think, is really fundamental to platform as a service. But the basic idea is that you can deploy code and you don't have to worry about the runtime of it. And that idea is preserved even in the most complex. Like our platform as a service is pretty complex, but it still has that idea. So underneath it's complex, but that idea about how you, the developer interacts with it is very simple. You, de- you deploy code, and you don't worry about it. And also redundancy and failover is handled by the stack and not by the application, correct? Right. So, so this is where 
now you can start to differentiate the different offer- offerings. Um, in the most simple form, maybe some of that stuff isn't done. In the most sort of luxurious platforms as a service, they're just going to do a lot of stuff for you. They're going to do failover. They're going to do load balancing. They're going to do automatic scaling up and down. Um, they may include nice features like we have an open shift like and, and performance monitoring. You know, who wants to set that up themselves and install agents and monitoring consoles? Just just have it work. Uh, maybe things like content acceleration, maybe distributed DNS, so there's not a common DNS server, and maybe the DNS servers are close to people's uh, geographic locations. There are a lot of things the platform can do for you. Okay, and so- that that goes back to the uh, the register um, quote you had of you just want to write code and you just want to create angry birds, right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that on the register. It cracked me up. <laughs> we were doing this press conference, and some of the reporters were having trouble understanding you know, why would you use a platform as a service. And that was an example I used. You know, you're a developer, and, and to get something live and to scale, you have to spend all this time worrying about load balancers and stacks. And this gets really mundane, like patching the stack for security errata. And not only do you have to patch the middleware of the database, but you also have to patch the operating system, the load balancer, and the firewall. Like, who really wants to do that? And I was just getting really like, come on, who really wants to do that? And it's true. I mean, you've got enough to do just getting your, your IDE configured and maybe some simple access rules. Do you really want to worry about what user is running the Apache daemon on your <laughs> server that's running in some cloud somewhere? Like, no, I just want to write Angry Birds, right? Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. So... Um, you know, so with a with a because you kind of mentioned you know there's there's different platforms and some do more than others. So like your your explanation was really kind of good. It was it's you know it's a place to write code. So keep it simple for the developer. And then it's you know how much hard work does the Paz platform do in terms of giving you availability, giving you response time, giving you visibility. So it's not just, you know, which languages it supports, right? It's not just do we support Java or Perl or PHP. It's really, you know, how much more sophisticated uh, or hiding sophistication for operations that is probably going to make a lot of the difference for, you know, what a developer may want to write on one platform or another. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, there's the level of automation and sophistication, the level of control. One thing we do in OpenShift is that you can start off really simple where you don't do it. You just get deploy and it's done and it runs and you don't have to worry about anything. But it's, then the, later, it's the hello world of PaaS. Yeah, it's just boom, you're done. <laughs> but then later you can get a lot of operational control and you can start configuring things like exactly what are the scaling policies and exactly when do I... Uh, spool up uh, an additional uh, cluster node for my database or something like that. The other dimension you mentioned, which is really important in the market right now, is choice. And that's, as being from Red Hat, that's something we are focusing on uh, very specifically. So we give a huge amount of choice on the framework and the language. Today we're actually the broadest. So we support Python, Ruby, PHP, Java, and Perl. Uh, and many, many frameworks on all these different languages. Um, and then there's choice of cloud. So we're taking advantage of the uh, Red Hat Certified Cloud Provider Program, and, and Red Hat kind of powers a lot of the public clouds you've heard of, like Amazon. So our our intent is to run, is to allow you to deploy an application on OpenShift on any Red Hat Certified Cloud 
and let you even move between them. So that choice of frameworks and middleware, uh, you know, which databases you want to have. We have NoSQL, we have SQL, we have different caches, uh, we have messaging. So you can put together the middleware stack that you want, and that's important because many PaaSes have a fairly limited stack set, uh, and also choose the cloud you want to run on. Um, we're doing that, and we're maintaining a commitment to open source as well, which means that you're never going to get locked in. If you don't like the PaaS, you can take your application right off of it and run it on the same open source uh, components that it runs on on the platform as a service somewhere else, like even in your own data center, and you're not like stuck where you wrote to some framework that's only available in the cloud. Okay. And so you you mention OpenShift is uh, supported and hosted by Red Hat today. Who are some of the other Red Hat certified public cloud providers out there today? Well, uh, let's see. The Red Hat certified cloud, I think it's, it's NTT and Fujitsu and Amazon and... I actually don't have the list off the top of my head. Sure, but sure. For, yeah. but, for it's, OpenShift, but it's a, a good number. But it's, it's, yeah, it's a good number, and it's growing. Um, for OpenShift today, uh, we are in developer preview, and we're focused on making an awesome developer experience and iterating very quickly. We're actually launching stuff every two weeks right now. And so we're only running on Amazon at the moment for OpenShift. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have our additional cloud providers coming uh, probably later this year. Nice. And do you have a general availability date that you're willing to share yet? Oh, when we go out of developer preview? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, and, and that's not because I'm holding back. We just Our commitment is to get a terrific developer experience that we also feel we can stand behind because a, a GA for Red Hat is a really serious thing. Sure. Uh, this is a company that you know, has built its business on supporting open source software. And we, when we do support, we mean support. And almost everyone calls Red Hat when their servers have some problem. And so they're serious. And what's interesting about Red Hat is that we're the only vendor besides Microsoft that can support a full stack from, from the hypervisor through the cloud control layers into the middleware with JBoss and up into the framework with things like CDI and Seam. Uh, and so we're going to do support top to bottom, end to end, and be really committed about it. Um, we not only have to maintain that, which means that internally you know, we're using certified pieces of code that we can stand behind, but also get a really excellent developer experience. And I invite people to come check it out because I would say right at the moment, certain things about our developer experience aren't yet where we want them to be. And so we're working on that before we say, okay, we're going to GA this. And so. do you have any plans? Oh, sorry, Brian. Do you have any plans to uh, offer this as a private cloud as well as public cloud? Uh, not at the moment. So okay. Right and then there's something I wasn't clear about when I was researching about this. Yeah, and, and people are sometimes confused. Right now, it's a, it's a hosted service only, and that allows us to iterate it really rapidly. We are also working in open source, so there's bits of it that are in various open source projects, like the Aeolus project, um, the Delta Cloud project. Um, so you could actually kind of take the pieces and put them together, but we haven't created like a distro yet mm-hmm. where you could have all the pieces in one easy-to-use distro. And the reason for that is because we're iterating it really really fast as a hosted service to kind of get it where we want it to be. 
um, and then we're going to move it into that distro world. Okay. So, you know, so one of the things when we were uh, having our confused about platform as a service podcast a couple of weeks ago was, um, you know, if, if you're in the kind of infrastructure as a service space, you're, you, know, you do stuff with virtualization or whatever, like there's, there's a ton of people who are kind of known experts, known evangelists, but we weren't really sure who, you know, who are those people in the platform as a service space, right? So, and, and so we, we kind of weren't sure about two things. One was, you know, if people are interested in this, who should they be following? What are the great blogs to read? What are the, you know, maybe what are the events to, to maybe attend? And then I guess the other side of it was, you know, we really weren't even sure, is that how the developer community really works? You know, I mean, are those guys looking for people to be out in front blazing a trail or are they more just, dude, I, I want to get code. I'm going to start figuring out myself. And they're more of a figure it out on their own community. You know, that's a really interesting question because there are, I, I find that there's kind of a vacuum of industry thought leaders. You, you've got the, the folks that really have a lot of knowledge are in the vendors. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's, there, I mean, I, we all know each other because we hang out at Cloud Camp together, you know, and we, and we do the PaaS tracks and stuff like that. We're always on panels and we, we've all started three, four years ago. Um, and many of us now work at some larger companies because the startups were were acquired because of the strategic importance of platform as a service. But you don't have the same thing as you do in infrastructure where there's a lot of independent consultants that have become real thought leaders. And I, I hope that that does materialize and there's a good opportunity for developers who like to write blogs and like to speak to really rise up. And, you know, we, we, would, we would happily help you and promote you here at Red Hat if someone wants to do that because I think not everyone wants to listen even though we have a lot of expertise and you know I hang out with the guys from Google and Heroku and, and VMware and we we know we are really on the cutting edge of this not everyone wants to listen to the vendors because they feel like well you might have a, have a bias a biased perspective or something and that's an important viewpoint um, so yeah if there's a real opportunity for for community folks to, to take, grab onto the PaaS thing and, and start doing some reviews and start doing some best practices and stuff like that. Okay. And, and we and would you, and you guys be willing, that. Yeah, you guys would be willing to sort of help them kind of get amplified if, if they're out there doing cool stuff? Of course. I mean, Red Hat's a super open like community kind of company, and we, we put a lot of time and money behind things like that. But I also think it's just good for the industry. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure my friends at the other places would also get behind that just because our challenge right now is not really competing with each other on who's got the best paths. It's that most developers haven't yet used a paths and they don't necessarily understand the the benefits that of releasing all this and saying, you know, I don't have to worry about the stack anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. so, it's so, so yeah. So, so what have you, I mean, so, you know, you've obviously you've got a, a you know long history of doing a bunch of different stuff in various sections of IT and, and development, and so you know if you were a developer, uh, what's the what's the trigger point to go this you know these new platforms of service or or OpenShift in particular like this unlocks something for me right? So you're I mean is it is it you just you were frustrated at the speed of dealing with certain middleware or what what have you found you know is that those triggers that you go this is way better, this is way easier, or this is way more powerful. Yeah, what makes the light bulbs go off? It's uh, usually 
um, it's it's one of three things. So either there's a stack you want to use that whatever hosting or IT department you're, you you need to use doesn't support. So let's say you want to write on on Perl. You know, I know it's old school, but a lot of people write stuff on Perl. Or let's say you want to write on Ruby on Rails, and your IT department doesn't yet support Ruby on Rails. There's a reason to go out to a pass. The other is scalability. The elastic scalability is pretty amazing. And you can't really get that in your own data center. And even if you try to go out and say, well, I'm going to use a cloud so that I can have scalability, you're still stuck automating all that scalability yourself. You've got to write the monitoring to know when you need to scale. Then you have to write triggers to scale the app. Then you have to write the app code so that you can actually uh, cause the replication to happen. All that's built into the platform. Like in OpenShift, this is a pretty unique feature. There's a file system that's always there. It's a POSIX full file system. So if you write a file and then your app scales up due to the auto scale in, the file's still going to be there no matter where your code's trying to access it from. And that's something that you just didn't have to worry about. I mean, try setting up a distributed file system yourself in a cloud server situation. That's a, like, who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is no fun. So then uh, the third thing would be um, that that uh, it, you're, you're doing something that's specifically public cloud, right? So many times people writing mobile apps, for example, know that those are going to be accessed from behind the firewall cause most, or from outside the firewall because most mobile devices live outside the firewall. And in that case, it's an opportunity to say, well, maybe instead of deploying this on my internal infrastructure and then I'm worried about how do the mobile people actually access this, I can put this on a platform as a service and just poke through to get the piece of data I need from behind the firewall. So in our like users right now, I've been talking to users, and those, those three factors, either wanting a stack that they, that they don't have access to, um, wanting to have a, 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 the elastic scalability, or wanting to do like a mobile app where it's primarily going to be used from, behind, from outside the firewall, those tend to be the, the aha moments for like, oh, I should use a PaaS. Cool, cool. So, so I'm going to ask you to. This is something we actually do with a lot of our guests. Get out your crystal ball for a second. And let's make some predictions here, right? And so it's something you know. Year two now, from now, we'll we'll play it back and see what happens, right? But when do you see Paz kind of hitting stride and really getting that widespread adoption and those light bulbs going off that we were referring to earlier? Is that something you think will happen in the near future? And, and what do you think the main catalyst is that will drive something like that? Well, I think uh, it was one of the analyst firms that called uh, 2011 the year of PaaS. And from an analyst perspective, that made sense because all the hype and all the launches and all the acquisitions seem to happen this year. Um, but I think next year, actually, is going to be the year of huge adoption. Uh, we're already seeing a ton of developer activity. I was hanging out with Derek from VMware. We were both like, wow, we're shocked at how many people are signing up for the services. And we're both like actually struggling a little bit you know, to keep up <laughs> on the operational side. It was delicious. It's wonderful. And we, we love the challenge of that and we're rising to it. Um, but the people that are working on the PaaS right now, they're getting something started, right? They're developing. And usually it takes a while to develop a nice application. It may be three months, it may be two months, 
maybe six months if it's really complicated or it's something you're not doing full time. So if you think about starting, you know, this month, that's kind of the end of the year that you might be really ramping up the load on your application. So I think next year is when we're going to see a lot of actual production activity on these passes, whereas this year we're seeing a lot of development activity. So that's uh, so so that's a very kind of refreshing uh, prediction because, like you said, there's a lot of buzz, and so the analysts want to call everything the year of. And uh, I, you know, Aaron and I have been through a bunch of, for example, like year of virtual desktop, which has been going on now for three or four years. And the one cool, <laughs> the, you know, the the thing to me, I think that jumps out, and, and again, not living in that in that world all the time, you know, the like it seems like. Things like ROI or you know budgets aren't a huge uh, burden to you guys because you can leverage public services that are pay as you go. It's all opex. It's not capex. And and like you said, you can sort of scale up and down. Um, so that's that's got to be a huge benefit for you guys. It's not a like like dollars and cents aren't necessarily holding you back. It's it's probably a lot of education and people just being creative and coming up with cool applications. For us and for the developers, right? It's, yeah. We're free to get started. It, you can run your app as long as you want on OpenShift for free, and, and we'll only charge you when we scale up, when you scale up. So you can get started at no cost, and your cost is only going to be, as you said, OpEx, which is great because you don't have to go through this sales cycle of getting this bought off by someone in, in, in a company. They can just use it if they like it, great. If they don't, they can come off of it into open source because of the choice. And, and yeah, like this year, the passes finally got good. You know, for, for years we had, for too many years, but for some years we had passes that just weren't that full function. They didn't have databases in them. They locked you into some proprietary framework. They were on totally proprietary programming languages. And this year is the first year when you can, like, go program in PHP or Java on a pass. And even, like today, OpenShift is the only platform as a service that supports Java EE. Well, that's a huge number of developers that only just got their first ability to write on a pass two months ago. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> Pretty, that's very so, cool. Yep. So are there any um, are there any kind of well-known or publicly disclos- disclosable applications that somebody could go check out, you know, even just as a as an end user to go, oh, cool, there's a there's a working example that, that uh, you know, somebody's got out and running and kind of can see what the experience is like? Well, we don't have anyone willing to say that they're running on the developer okay. preview of OpenShift, and I think it's similar with the other uh, passes, but what we do have is if you come and sign up for OpenShift, there's a suite of example applications ready to go for you to deploy for free to start out. So if you want to try something and play and you're not like going to develop your own app, you just want to play with some other, somebody else's app, they're there for you to kind of mess with. Oh, that's cool. And, and what's the website? And it's uh, openshift.com. There you go. See, I had to get you to pimp your stuff a little bit. Yeah, and I, right. I, I just wanted that. to also add, too, I, I'll put this in the show notes. There's a, um, a bunch of very good YouTube videos put out by the Red Hat Videos channel that feature you giving demonstrations of the OpenShift platform and, and very educational for me and, and very nicely done. And we have a lot of how-tos on there as well. So there's videos that will take you through exactly how to get started and some guides that will show you you know, how to get going if you're not sure what you really want to do and you just want to play around, there's some guides. Oh, cool. Awesome. So this has right. been, Aaron, I, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, like, I feel like I know a lot more at this point. Like I actually can connect the dots a little bit. Um, yep. 
Isaac, this has been really helpful. Uh, you kept it you kept it simple, but you explained kind of the the things you know the the real important things for people to know. So thank you so much for uh, for doing this for us. It's been really it's been really good. It's been my pleasure as well. It's keep it going and get more Paz people on the show. All cool. right. So, so Aaron, you want to take us home? Actually, absolutely. actually, make make sure we know uh, where people can find uh, Isaac's stuff. Yes, absolutely. Let's start with that, uh, Isaac. Um, where can people find more information about you? Twitter, blogs, uh, Red Hat website. Tell us a little more. Yeah, great. So, um, our Twitter is OpenShift, so it's at OpenShift. Um, you can follow me at, at IJ Roth, and if you go to OpenShift.com, uh, our blog and forums are on there under the communities section uh, so people can stay in touch and we do have that YouTube channel that you mentioned as well which is under OpenShift awesome and we're OpenShift on Twitter and on Facebook cool great Aaron you want to take us home Yes, we are out of time for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or reach us at thecloudcast.net where you'll find links to the show and show notes. You can leave us a comment or send us an email and details on how to stream us on Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, and thanks, Isaac. 